Please remain standing while we read from God's infallible and inspired word. Matthew 7, verses 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, your workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Precious Lord, thank you, Father, for giving us your inspired word, the words of life. The vivid portrayal of building on either sand, shifting sand, so to speak, or on the rock, namely your Son, Jesus Christ. Make us, time and again, Father, check our bearings, our foundation, and if needed, repent. Turn back so that we may know to be on solid foundation, anchored in your word. Holy Spirit, will you now use the words you put on Pastor Andrew's heart this past week and this morning to guide and strengthen us in our daily walk with you. I pray this in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Please. Well, there's a lot going on this morning. Uh, got a full house, very grateful uh, for... The Lord leading us all here together. It's Easter morning. Uh, We celebrate the risen Christ and uh, we reflect on what the resurrection means. We're coming to the end of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're weaving that together. And for those of you who are 
uh, regular here at Christ Church, you know that uh, the session has granted to Lisa and I a time of sabbatical, and so this is my last Sunday preaching for the next 15, 16 weeks or so. Uh, so a lot going on, and uh, we trust that the Lord will be with us as we walk through this morning. You know, a lot of times uh, in Christian circles, we, we really talk about the cross. We cro talk about what it means to us. Uh, we've got a cross here uh, behind me. As you walk out, you walk out under another cross. I look at it as I preach. Uh, the cross is central to our lives. Uh, but we make a mistake if we decouple the cross from the resurrection uh, and we, we really rob ourselves, I think, of a lot of hope, a lot of the meaning of what the cross was all about if we don't focus on the resurrection. And it's sort of an interesting thing, you know, I've even read different places, like the resurrection is something that we pull out on Easter morning and then we sort of slide it away or just assume it throughout the rest of our lives. But it's not so in the scriptures. If you read the scriptures, of course, there is an emphasis on the cross. I am not trying to diminish that at, at all. Uh, but I want you to hear just in a couple of places the, the ways that the apostles and those that came after the resurrection tied that in. Uh, Acts 4, 33. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon them. Uh, Acts 17, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, this is at Mars Hill, Paul is uh, conversing with the philosophers of that day. Some said, what does this babbler say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, that was the thing that caught their attention. That was the thing that captured them. Paul again says uh, in Philippians chapter 3, he's praying that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and become like him, sharing in his sufferings and his death. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, so this is Peter's testimony to the resurrection. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Uh, and that word hope has uh, the connotations of a profound certainty. It's not just, well, I hope, you know, in, in sort of a weak sense of the English term. But he's saying that we would be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And then let's hear from John. Uh, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the resurrection. Over such, the second death. Ooh, got a stink bug up here. We'll go to the plant. Here you go. Enjoy your new environment. Uh, uh, over such, the second death has no power, 
but they will, pre, uh, they will be priests of God and of Christ, will reign for him, or reign with him for a thousand years. So you see, over and over again, uh, the apostles, the disciples, they, they were emphasizing the resurrection. It was the resurrection that was, uh, was drawing people's attention, was causing consternation, that was causing them to ask questions, maybe even mock uh, the silliness of this. Uh, early Christians, people like John of Christostom, who was uh, late 4th, early 5th century, Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, life is liberated. Christ is risen, the tomb is emptied of its dead, for Christ, having risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Here's a, a more modern work. Dr. Mike Williams says this uh, As Christ's saving work is the central theme of the Bible, his resurrection is the sign of fulfillment of that work. So his resurrection is the anticipation of the goal of redemptive history. So all of redemptive history is given voice in the resurrection. It's a peek ahead, if you will, at the last page of the story. Biblically, and, and I emphasize this, the best single term to catch the nature of redemption and the character of Christian hope is the resurrection. I don't... This isn't going to be a long apologetic sermon on the, the truth of the resurrection. I, I'm assuming that this morning. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, Christ is risen from the dead. And, and, and if you have questions about that, there is good, uh, good evidence of that. You know, even Paul, if you just go and read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, when he's talking about the resurrection, in very real time, he, he talks about all these witnesses of the resurrection, and he says, if you don't believe me, you can go ask them. Uh, there is this strong sense of the resurrection is true. Not uh, I'm not belittling doubts, you know, science, all of those different things. We want to know this because it is a shocking thing to think about uh, the fact that somebody who is dead is now alive and it hadn't happened and it only happens by the power of God at work in a very particular way. So if you're, if you're struggling with that, if you're walking with that, I, I encourage you to pursue that, keep on that journey. But what I want to talk about this morning is what it means. You know, what it means, particularly as we see the fact of this in light of what Jesus has been teaching. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount is the king coming to his would-be followers and saying, this is what life in the kingdom looks like. Uh, this is what life looks like with a king who will go through death and rise again. This is what it looks like to live in a resurrection kingdom. And, and, uh, and this is what Jesus now is drawing to a close in Matthew chapter 7. And I think, you know, in terms of the, the very last thing I read to you, the, the nature of redemption and the character of hope. 
We really get a sense of that here in this last part. So I, I want to give you uh, three rocks this morning because Jesus says we need to be founded on the rock. Uh, it is only when we are founded on the rock that our house will stand. If we build in any other way, we, we take kind of foundations for granted in building. My brother is a builder. Uh, I've gone out and observed some of the houses that he has built. And uh, we, when we build now, they, we, they dig a hole, they bring the concrete trucks in, they, they pour a foundation. It's concrete, it's got walls, and that house is going to stand. It wasn't exactly that way in, in uh, Israel in those days. You know, they had these wadis, and uh, you know, when the rains would come, they would, they would flood. So it would be a desert for most of the year, but then the rains would come and the place would just flood. And oftentimes when they would build homes, uh, they, they could have this choice to build it on the rock, which existed beneath the, the wadi. If you dug down deep enough, you could find this. Sometimes it was quite near the surface. Other times it, it was much deeper into uh, the surface and you had to really penetrate down to find that rock. But if you built it on the rock, it had a foundation. But if you were content to keep it on the top and, and not push through to the rock, then when these wadis would, would overflow, you know, the, the house would fall, and as Jesus says, great would be the fall of it. So we want to push through to what Jesus is saying, and we want to find that bedrock. We want to find the thing that will anchor us for this life and for the life to come. Uh, and that's what we pursue this morning. And I want to start with first what is the rock. I, I said I have a couple of rocks for you, but this is the rock. This is the absolute essential thing that we have to understand if we are going to live this resurrection life and follow our resurrected king. And that is this, uh, the rock is Jesus. When he is saying, Find, uh, found your house upon the rock, settle it there, he's talking about a faith, uh, a heart surrender. And I use those words uh, sort of uh, parallel to one another. Faith, heart surrender. Faith isn't just an orthodoxy. I know a bunch of stuff. But faith is saying, I am going to rest my all on this person, this rock that is Jesus Christ. If you remember, you know, as we've been going through here, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is pointing to us to a righteousness that is greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, a righteousness that exceeds that. The, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were renowned in those days. This, we, we have kind of a negative, and we talked about this several weeks back, we have kind of a negative view of what it means to be Pharisaical, and we're, we're right in thinking that. Uh, but in those days, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the upstanding ones. They were the ones that you looked up to. These were the ones who were uh, rulers. These were the ones who were the moral upstanding. They were providing to society all of these different things. And, and Jesus says, they're missing the boat. 
They're missing the boat. All of that external stuff, and we've seen this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you know, don't pray in public looking for accolades. Don't, uh, don't give your money in a way that it's going to be noticed. All of that public stuff that they're doing, it means nothing. It means nothing. What Jesus is looking for is a heart that is surrendered. And we get that flavor in the Beatitudes. We read them again today. And it's, uh, you know, as Jesus preaches the sermon, there's just such unity in what he is saying. He's saying you want, to, you want to have a life, you want to have a faith that is founded on bedrock. How do you get there? You're poor in spirit. You mourn over your sin. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You practice what it means to become a peacemaker. Uh, you are not afraid to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. This is the path. This is what it means to be founded on the rock. And this is the great question of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the great question of Easter it's so interesting, you know, all these rocks and stones and all of these different things. I wrote a little bit about this in the Friday letter. But the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. And there the angel was sitting on the stone and could sit so comfortably. Why? Because Jesus had risen. The resurrection had happened. Are you resting on that fact? Is your heart submitted? Is your heart surrendered? Have you given up, you know, your own self-salvation project? We can have that in so many different ways. Some of you are pursuing your salvation through whatever you want to do. You know, what you want to pursue, this is the thing that you are, are pursuing your happiness through. Through hedonistic lifestyle, you are out living it up, uh, and this is what you are banking on for your happiness. Jesus says, give it up. Give it up. Learn what it means to be poor in spirit, to pursue peace and righteousness. Some of you are pursuing it through your own righteousness. This is always a danger, especially for church people. You, you see that here in these verses when Jesus contrasts those who build their house on the rock he is building that off of what he has said earlier in 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, so the day when Jesus comes again, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These verses are really chilling. And, and they're chilling especially for, for people that have gone to church and who are, are, are seeking after the Lord. And, and I think in some senses may, may have a, a right heart. You know, you look at these words here, and there are several observations that you can make. You know, one, these are, these are probably good people. 
uh, as we think about good people in terms of the world. They're involved in religious activity. They're prophesying. They're, they're doing these various things. Uh, they're involved uh, in sort of a social activism. They're, they're casting out demons, tearing down strongholds. They're doing mighty works in, uh, in the world. And we like people like that. Like, that's a positive thing. They're somewhat orthodox, I mean, they, they've got a, a right belief. They're saying, Lord, they're acknowledging that Jesus is kurios. And, you know, as you watch, you know, the way that we move from the Old Testament, the Messiah, the Lord, the kurios, you know, they, they get some things right. There, there's an orthodoxy. There's even a fervor. You know, Lord, Lord, that's that Semitic doubling where it shows a passion of the heart. So you look at these people, they're, they're passionate, they're orthodox, they're uh, involved religiously, socially, all of these things. And, and yet Jesus says, saying to them, you've missed something. You, you've missed my heart. You've missed your heart in terms of submitting it, surrendering it, and that is what I'm after. So the great question, you know, that Jesus is asking these would-be disciples as he is teaching them on this mount, uh, and notice that when people heard his teaching, this is the last verse that we read, they, they were astonished because he taught them with authority, not like the scribes. And the great thing that is setting apart his teaching is he's not asking for external conformity to X, Y, and Z. He's asking for a heart that is surrendered, that is founded on the rock of his, resu uh, of his resurrection. And that is what comes to us through all these years. You know, as Jesus now comes out of the tomb and we celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, we think back on his sermon and we say, this is what he's talking about. Will you surrender to me? Will you be filled with this living hope of the resurrection, this sure certainty that I can make the dead live again? It's interesting as you, as you walk through the Beatitudes, it's really a path of laying down your own life, of dying to yourself in order that, uh, in order that Christ might live again. And so what does that look like? It, it looks like repentance. You know, Lord, here I am. I'm involved in my own self-salvation self project. I'm pursuing my happiness through uh, A, B, and C. I'm, I'm pursuing my righteousness uh, through S, T, and U. Uh, I, I'm pursuing all of these things on my own, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I am mourning over that, whether it is what the world would consider uh, bad, evil, profligate, or whether it is something that seems righteous, but I'm looking to myself. I abandon it all. And notice then that we uh, are given two other rocks. Uh, you know, I think about sort of satellites. You know, we've got the moon that goes around the sun. You know, once we find that our life is established on the rock, that is Jesus, we have surrendered all uh, and we are banking on him. What we understand then is we stand, understand uh, hope 
and we understand intimacy. What do I mean by that? Well, hope, especially through trials, you know, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, who surrenders his heart to me in all of these different areas that we've been talking about, mourning over sin, all of that, uh, when the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow and they beat on the house, it will not fall because it's been founded on the rock. Notice, and if you were here Monday, Thursday evening, we talked about this a little bit. Being founded on the rock does not mean that the rains aren't going to come, that the winds aren't going to blow, that the floods aren't going to rise. Uh, I think everybody here uh, can give attestation to the fact that the rains come, the floods rise, the winds blow. We all know that. We, we know the temptations, the trials the sifting, remember we talked about that Thursday night? We, we know that those things come in our life. But what Jesus promises us in light of his resurrection is that the house will not fall. That the house will stand. That you will be able to come through these temptation trials, these storms of life. And you will be able to withstand them because, not because the external architecture, I mean, it's interesting with these two houses, they, they look the same on the outside. Uh, they, you can even suppose that the same builder built them, so there's the same quality uh, of construction. The only difference is the foundation. What are they founded on? And if it's not founded on the rock, it will not survive. But if it is founded on the rock, it will survive. So again, the question comes through, where is your life founded? Is your life founded on the rock? Not your righteousness, you know, not your own hedonistic pursuit of happiness, but is your life founded on the rock, on Jesus' finished work, his atoning sacrifice? Is it built on the hope of his resurrection that makes the dead living again? This is the question that comes to us. And, and notice, you know, what Jesus says here. He says, if your life is not built on that bedrock, then the house is going to collapse and great will be the fall of it. And I think we can give testimony to that fact as well. And we look around and, and we just see a world that is characterized by anxiety, depression. We see all of the various ways in which people are seeking after something to anchor them and yet they are not finding it. I'm not suggesting that everybody who struggles with anxiety and depression uh, is not founded on the rock. But what we see is that we look in all of these different ways and we just do not find substance. It is only when we are founded on the rock that we find the strength, we find the foundation that is able to uh, carry us through. The last thing that I want you to see is that we have this rock, we have this hope of intimacy. You see it in, in verse 23, you know, here Jesus says to those who are outside of the kingdom, he says, uh, I will declare to them, I never 
knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, that's the negative there, right? He, he's speaking of uh, to those who will not surrender their hearts to him, who will not trust in his resurrection power, who will not you know, anchor themselves to that living hope. But uh, we also see the positive. Because Jesus is saying to those who won't, I never knew you. What is he implicitly saying to those who are anchored to the rock? He knows us. He loves us. He understands us. He sees us all the way through down to the bottom. And he doesn't reject us, but he draws close to us. I think some of you know that you know, in the Semitic world, that idea of knowing uh, has that sense of intimacy. You know, Isaac knew Rebecca, and, and he took her to be his wife. And what Jesus is saying here is that when you have uh, surrendered, when you have sunk your foundation into me, uh, you will find an intimacy uh, an intimacy that your heart is so longing for. Our, our hearts were made for relationship with God. It's one of the reasons why we flail, uh, because we seek it in so many other places. But here, God says, when, when you build your house on the rock, when you walk the path of the Beatitudes, when, when you pay attention to your heart and what it is longing for and you allow it to be found in me, then, then you will know the voice of the shepherd. You will know my voice. John 10.10, 10, my sheep, they, they know my voice. Why? Because I know them. They go in, they go out, they find pasture. If one gets lost, I, I know that they are lost and I, I seek them and I find them and I, and I bring them back. And this is the great promise to all of us who are listening today, to all of us who, who find our way repentantly to the table is that we are known by Him. You know, it's interesting it, it, he doesn't say, you didn't know me. He says, I didn't know you. A and that is the key. Are you, are you known by the Lord? You've you got to take down your walls for that. You know, we, we live with a lot of walls, and understandably so. We, we go through a lot of hurt, and we protect ourselves, and we do all of these different things. You know, but the question is, will we allow ourselves to be loved, to be known by this one who has all the power of the resurrection, who went the path of the cross for our sake? One of the ways that we can tell this, it's interesting, grateful for friends that pointed this out. Um, you know, those who are rejected uh, are saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things? They, they come before the Lord talking, proving themselves. But those who build their house on the rock, they're the ones that hear. 
They're the ones that are listening for the voice of the Lord this morning. And that's my invitation to all of us. We're going away on a time of sabbatical. I want to do a lot of listening to the Lord. I I do a lot of talking over the course of uh, my ministry, and it's okay. That's the role that God has for me in the community. But I want to do a lot of listening, and I want to hear His voice, and I, I want to trust, lean into His leading as we go forward. And I want to invite you to the same thing. You know, this Easter, can you find a time of quiet? Maybe it'll be Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Maybe not today. But you can listen to the voice of the Lord and and allow Him to even either beckon you further up and farther in or, or He's leading you through the temptations, the trials, and the siftings. And He's saying, You can trust me, I am your rock. This was just a peak. You remember what the one writer said, when we come to the resurrection, we're we're kind of getting a peak into the last chapter and the final story. Uh, This is where we're going. We're going a life that is based on the king, the one who has died and was risen again. But it's just a peak. Uh, It's just a peak, and we are encouraged to hope, have that sure certainty that one day God will make everything right, that one day everything sad will come untrue, one day uh, the same thing will happen to all of our current hurts and sadnesses. We will find that the worst things that have ever happened to us will only enhance our eternal delight on that day, that day Uh, All of it will be turned inside out, and you will know joy beyond the walls of the world. The joy of your glory will be that much greater for every scar that you bear. So live in the light of the resurrection. Live with the promise of renewal of this world, of yourself, in a glorious, never-ending, joyful dance of grace. O Lord, lead us to the rock that is higher than us, and may we find our rest there. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for its promise this Easter morning. Lord, if the resurrection, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then all of our hope is in vain. But if he is raised from the dead, then we have a living hope, a sure, profound certainty That this life and the temptations and the trials that we face are but light and momentary afflictions. And they do not compare to the glory that is before all of us. So Lord, may we find ourselves in the rock of ages. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's.